We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Hornets fans, welcome in to another episode of BuzzBeat. We are live following the third Summer League game, the first in Las Vegas. The Hornets did lose 76-68 to the San Antonio Spurs. This is their third straight loss here, and it was Wimby's first game. We had Brandon Miller versus Victor Wimbenyama facing off, and we uh, welcome everyone on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter spaces and Twitter video. If you guys have any questions or comments, you guys can just put it in the chat and we'll get to those. Uh, but before we get into this, Brian, how's it going? Uh, going pretty well, actually. Nice to be on with you tonight. That was a weird game. A lot of hype coming into it. And it was not, uh, as are a lot of summer league games, not, you know, particularly well played, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, some, uh, <laughs> So I think so a few different things to to go over here, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing well and I've, I've been enjoying uh, watching summer league starting in Sacramento. And now obviously as things shift to Vegas, it's been, it's been a, uh, it's been fun so far the next few days. Uh, well, I think will be good to see some of the young guys in the league getting their, you know, some of their first professional reps here. So it'll be cool. Yeah. And the, uh, the Houston Rockets pulled off a game winner right before the Hornets games tipped off there. And yeah, this game, like you said, Brian is not great basketball. You can look at the final score 76, 68. And that probably tells you a lot about how the offense went. I thought the pace was very frantic to start the game. There was a lot of missed shots, missed bunnies. I think the offense, generally speaking, just a lot of standing around off ball. There are times when Brandon Miller just doesn't get the ball, but he's also not moving. Uh, let's let's first let, let's go ahead and get our Wimby takes out of the way. I know this is a Hornets podcast, but let's let's talk about Victor real quick because this was his debut. I, I'll say this: obviously, you can't judge a player on one game, even though we do that a lot here in summer league, but. There are some things that he's going to have to work on, and obviously his shot did not look pretty tonight. I think the Hornets did a good job when it came to like the physicality with him. Anytime he had his back to the basket when he was in the post, when he was in the paint, they would send doubles, they would dig. And you have to be physical with Wimby because that's one thing that he does lack, right? And so if you can force some turnovers, force him to do some things that he's not accustomed to doing, and there was a couple of times where he just lost the handle. He lost his footing. So I, I thought there were some things that 
kind of were illuminated in terms of things that he could have done a little bit better. Uh, but obviously his length is just so impactful on the defensive end. And he's such a skilled player with the ball in his hands that he's going to be obviously an awesome rookie. Would you take the field or would you take him for the rookie of the year? I think I would still take Wembenyama. Yeah. I, I think at the, at this point, I think I would, but people who, you know, bet on these things to put money down on Scoot Henderson, uh, within the last two weeks, I, I certainly see the logic, you know, Scoot's going to get Scoot's awesome and he's going to get a big runway to work with in Portland. It looks like assuming, you know, Lillard is traded or if he isn't traded, he's they've, they've sort of figured out some sort of, uh, you know, um, situation where maybe he's on the roster, but away from the team, regardless, like I think Scoot's going to get the chance to play with the ball a lot and put up big numbers too. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe the field is a slightly better like betting option, right. but like when Binyama's just going to have, he's going to have really good defense. You know, he's going to have the rim protection numbers. He's going to have some, he's just going to have, he's going to have some assist numbers he's going to score like obviously he was he was he had a really rough offensive night tonight but getting to play with Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Sohan like it that'll make things a, a little bit easier and like he's some of the shots he took tonight are ones that like he absolutely can make you know both from beyond the arc and at the rim so I thought he was a little nervous tonight. Right, I thought he was right. pressing a little bit at times. I think, you know, even watching from my office here in Raleigh with that game in Vegas, I felt like I, you could kind of just like feel it. Oh, Brian cut out on us here. Um, so I'll try to get him back on the line. If I do have to get him back on the line, I might have to call him. So that would end our Twitter spaces, but we are live on Twitter video, YouTube and Facebook as well, if you guys check our link tree. So I will continue with what Brian was saying, but I, I agree with him. I, I think he did feel a little bit nervous trying to work out his first game. I don't know if the Britney Spears thing was in the back of his mind, but yeah, I mean, he's a very skilled player, and I know this is a Hornets podcast. So we're going to move on to the number two overall pick, who I thought looked really, really good tonight in Brandon Miller. And his three-point shot was falling a little bit better tonight than it did in the past. And I think he also had some two-way play as well. He definitely competed on the defensive side of the court. There was several times where he got back in transition. Good effort. Sometimes he would be the only one getting back and, and defending the shot. Sometimes it would lead to a Spurs basket still. But you do have to love the fact that he was involved with that. We do have a question here uh, in terms of YouTube. Let me find it thoughts on Miller's defense tonight. So I was just kind of speaking to that, Adam. I, I thought the effort was really good from Brandon Miller. He is a little bit undersized, so he's going to get hung up on screens at times. But, you know, you, you like to see him compete. And I think that the energy overall with the Hornets, they, did, they came out with way better energy in Game 3 than they did over in Sacramento. So that was good to see. And the, there was one time when... Um, Brandon Miller hit a three-point shot where Wimby went under a screen. And I think that's something that I'm looking forward to for Brandon Miller is just the, the, the ability to play out of the pick and roll, the ability to put the ball in his hands. Because one thing that we have noticed early on in this summer league is when he tries to drive, he gets pushed off his path. But if you can put him in pick and roll situations and force the defense to go under, he's going to 
pull up, obviously, because that is his strength. And so the big was in drop. Wimby goes under. He hits the three. There was also a time where he went ISO against uh, Julian Champagny. Uh, there was not much separation, but he did draw the foul. So that that's good, being physical, getting to the rim. And I think there was a time where he drew another foul against Champagne in the second half on a mid-range shot. But the fav- my favorite play of Brandon Miller tonight was when he had a double move against Wimby. A little snatchback crossover, hesitates. Wimby is off balance. He reaches. He kind of leaves his feet a little bit. And that's all that Miller needed to get by. And he was able to drive and, I believe, get the foul there. And then at that point, Wimby uh, went down and was kind of holding his uh, throat. Let me see if I can call Brian real quick to get him on the line because I want to hear his thoughts as well. Let me see if I can call him. So I'm going to have to probably end Twitter spaces. Brian, Brian, Brian. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Let's let's just do it this way. Um, I'm not sure if Twitter spaces is still going, but we're still live here on uh Facebook and uh YouTube. So I just talked about Brandon Miller and some of his offensive versatility that we saw tonight in terms of, you know, playing out of the ISO, playing out of the pick and roll. And I think that's one thing, Brian, that we're looking for. We we know what he has as a shooter. And, you know, with summer league, you you want to see what he has with the ball in his hands. And I was talking about that tonight. So did you see anything with him with the ball in his hands? I mean, there was the one play you may have, and again, apologies for the connection issues here, guys. Uh, Spectrum internet. If you're listening, you're the worst, but uh, (laughs) you see, you may, you may have highlighted the one play. I know you clipped it during the game, but you know, uh, the like sort of like combo crossover move that Miller had against Wembenyama. Um, where he was able to end up, you know, uh, sort of the step back crossover, hang dribble, and then he gets going downhill, right? Picks up the uh, the foul. I don't know. Through these three summer league games, I think it's 
watching Miller, I think, I think a lot of the both good and bad, the stuff we saw on film with him at Alabama has, has shown up. Like he's, he's done a nice job passing the basketball out of the pick and roll and some off movement sets. The left-handed passes have looked good, but he's still struggling to get separation one-on-one and in different pick and roll coverages are giving him issues like, you know, Golden State was, was putting two on the ball often against him. And that was forcing him to, you know, have to either take tough shots or make quick decisions. And and I think he had some good moments and and some some not good moments too. So I, I don't know, like I said this to you on a few different pods. I think we also talked about it on the video recording um, that we did on Miller a couple of weeks ago um, or, you know, right around or right after the draft. But I just think Charlotte's going to have to be intentional about how they set up on ball opportunities for Miller. I I think it's going to be important for them to think about making sure that these things aren't like flat and stagnant, that there's some motion and some movements for Miller uh, coming into these things and, and being intentional with their spacing and, and making um, the reads. I don't want to say obvious, but like not and, and not even necessarily needing to simplify things because like I think Miller has the ability with his size to, to process the game and see different things happening, but just making sure that like he either has time to or pardon me, making sure that he either has some sort of like motion going into the screen to launch him into the action yeah. or that he just has time to set things up. Like one of the best pick and roll possessions he had in the golden state game the other night it actually was like it, like it was like an angled screen on the left side of the court. He was sort of able to like take his time, get his guy up to the level of screen. Then he, then he crossed over and like went back down left, uh, you know, crossed over to his left, got downhill. And he kicked it out to either Book Knight or, or Smith in the, in the corner for a spot up three. So I think it's been like, I think it's been probably in summer league like a mixed bag, but that's exactly what I expected it to be. The downhill finishing, the lack of separation, like those are all real things. But I don't think you can ignore the way teams have guarded him, like Golden State perhaps especially, like really rotating coverages to, to make it sort of tough for him to to find his offense. And you look, Richie, I do think it's, you know, he's played three summer league games and then two of those have been against San Antonio. And he's in those matchups, he's being guarded by city Sissoko who looks like an NBA defender and Victor Wembanyama too. So like, you know, you, it, it sort of does context is important here too, but overall, I think it's been, um, I think there have been some nice flashes, but I, I don't think the like isolation offense from Miller has been, has been great. And, and apologies. I, I think I probably missed what you were like, what you were saying on this before I hopped back on, but what are your thoughts on, I mean, uh, could you, if you've already touched on this, <laughs> yeah. could you give me a brief overview no, of, no. of where you're at with Miller? No, that's some of the same things that you said. I said, uh, as you were off, but uh, yeah, I was talking about, there's a couple of ISO plays that he had against uh Champagne where he did not create separation, but he was still able to be physical and draw the foul. And then there was one play with the ball in his hands, I believe in the first half, where uh, there was a pick and roll and there was a drop coverage and Wimby went under and he took the advantage of shooting the ball. Uh, I think he made the three in that situation. But generally speaking, yeah, yeah, when you put the ball in his hands and he's having to to drive and make a play, he's probably going to get knocked off his path and he's probably going to lose any kind of advantage that he did potentially gain. 
what what great good points. And what I would say too, like I, I don't think he's being helped at all either by Charlotte's overall like inactivity, moving without the ball in the half court offensively. Um, or just sort of like in the collective ball movement, not just player movement, but like he, back in the Golden State game, he had a possession where he he screened for uh, Nick Smith Jr. He got the switch. He ended up uh, drawing a foul on this play, I believe. Like he caught the ball. He was double teamed in like the left mid post area. And I know, I know I'm going back two games from now, two games ago, but he got the ball in the left post area. There were three guys to guard four Hornets. And no one moved. Like no, no. And I mean, eventually Miller was able to get a foul. I think on Brandon Pajemski. But um, I just think in general, this was another example tonight against San Antonio of like, unless it's Amari Bailey, maybe Bryce McGowan. There's just not a lot of sort of like, um, at least from like the wings and guards. I just haven't seen a ton of good like positive ball movement and like off ball player activity. I think Bailey has sort of like popped in that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but in general, it's, it's a pretty obvious weakness of what is, just, you know, a pretty disjointed half court attack by the, the Hornets right now. Well, let's talk quickly about the young guards, maybe Bailey, Nick Smith, Jr. Book Knight, if you yeah. want, maybe Bryce McGowan, Stillman there as well. It's interesting because none of these guys are point guards. And that's obviously what the Hornets do need with this summer league roster. And obviously, Brandon Miller is going to benefit from playing with the actual roster instead of these guys. But there is there does seem to be a lack of structure and a lack of cohesiveness with this offense. Nick Smith Jr. is being the guy that is, you know, pegged as the starting point guard. To me, like he is an over dribbler. Uh, the offense mm-hmm. is just not running well with him. He, you know, he's he's a guy that would rather look to score than to pass. Like I felt like some of his lob passes were not that great. Although he did connect with one with Kai Jones, who uh, yeah, oh my, yeah, dunked it over Wimby. I guess you call it a dunk. Um, Book night yeah. to me missed some bunnies early. His three point shot is still off. There was one possession in the third quarter where he was chasing Malachi Branham off ball, completely loses him. Like he's like he's like going one way, Branham's going the other. He tries to recover. He finally does recover, and then he misplays a screen navigation and. Branham drives with ease and draws a foul. I think I tweeted this, but the only redeeming quality so far with book night is some of his defensive rebounding, which, you know, it's not nothing, but it's just such a weird thing that I'm pointing out with him. And then Amari Bailey, you mentioned him. I think that he is a very decisive player. Uh, he's a guy that get, is aggressive and getting downhill. The best play from him tonight. I believe you clipped it as well. He had an awesome save. And he's like, he's out of bounds on the baseline. He gets back into the play, mm-hmm. gets the ball and drives all the way, shields Wimby with his offhand and gets the end one. And then Bryce McGowan's like, he's like a mixture of both. Like there's been times where I've been impressed with his aggressiveness, but to me, he kind of gets a little shot happy, a little bit too selfish. I don't know if it's one of those things where he knows that there's other guys on the roster that are just not, you know, capable of scoring points and he just wants to take over. He loves that Euro step and that Euro step yeah. floater. Yeah. He does it a lot. Yeah. Sometimes it ends in a basket. Sometimes it ends in a turnover. So he's a mixed bag for me. Like, I don't, I don't think, I wouldn't say that he's been awesome this summer league, but there have been moments for him. For sure. Yeah. I'll just bouncing off what you said with McGowan. Like, I, I think his ability to sort of like initiate contact and, create separation out of that is something that I, I'm intrigued with with uh, with McGowan 
Um, and it's sort of like part of the package for him, a, you know, a long arm, six, six guy that can, that can create with the basketball. Some, um, I thought he was at his best, like late in the season for Charlotte doing catch and go stuff, you know, like getting to getting a close out getting to, you know, shot fake and go and get downhill. So I think, I think for him, it's going to be a big deal of like continuing to be able to like, uh, progress as like a spot up. Uh, you know, spot up relocation shooter and letting that sort of open up the of uh, the other parts of his like downhill drive game. Um, he's going to get stuff in transition. He's going to get stuff moving without the ball. He's like a he's an okay cutter, and I think there's some potential for him to do stuff with the basketball. But as far as like, I think it really pertains to the Hornets this coming season. Like, it's going to be um, him finding ways to like play off of uh, Lamelo. Or you know whomever else you know Hayward or whomever else, and just like being a guy that can catch and go and get downhill. I've been impressed with Bailey. He's a guy that you can do a couple things with. Like you've seen them running him off pin downs, running him off staggers. He cuts. He's active without the ball on both sides of the court. Like he's he's shown to be like a, a nice and responsive help defender. And similar to what we saw with him at UCLA, or what I saw from him in, in the the hoop summit uh, last year. Like he makes plays in transition. Like he he he's got a when in an open floor scenario, like he does a really nice job, you know, making connecting passes, uh, getting all the way to the rim, creating contact. I think it's gonna be fascinating to see like what what his role sort of develops into. Like I, maybe he becomes the kind of uh, he progresses and becomes kind of like a half court connector guard for the Hornets. So we're not there yet, but I think we're seeing some of the the traits. That uh, that make him potentially like a like a piece to, to have around, you know, longer term. Smith, um, he just looks like discom- like uncomfortable in the role right now. Whether it's like him having to be the primary initiator, which is something he didn't really even do it at, at Arkansas this past season. You know, that was Anthony Black um, who was often doing that, or even you know guys like Ricky Counselor, Devo Davis also initiating too. So. Um, like long term, I, I like I like Smith as sort of a, a guy that has really really good touch and, and has some creation upside. It can move without the ball, but he's just in kind of a, a little bit of a tough spot at the uh, the moment. He also looks like he looks much more comfortable shooting like mid range than he does from deep too, unless it's like right off the catch. Um, mm-hmm. It feels like he's like he's really looking to get to the whether it's pick and roll or whether it's like catch and go stuff, like he, he kind of wants to get to the mid range as opposed to like getting all the way to the rim or, you know, uh, letting it fly from deep. But at the moment in terms of like live ball passing, uh, including tonight too. So again, this is like a tough context for him, but, uh, and I don't think he's looked totally comfortable, but there, I think there've been like enough like flash plays to so far for me to feel like reasonably good about his performance. And I mean, I don't know, like, I, I don't need to be the one millionth person to like pile on to book night tonight. I mean, I've like said my like fill on him before, like we recorded a podcast last December and I said like, yeah, he's not an NBA player right now. And I've seen basically Richie, I've seen basically nothing since then. Uh, I know he had some like nice games late in the season, I guess for Charlotte, but I've just seen so little to sway me in the other direction on that. And like, He's a former lottery pick heading into his third year after two years in college. And like, 
is he one of the five best guys on the summer league? This like this is like a bad summer league team. Like the Warriors have lost every game by like double digit points so far. And like, and you have higher standards a, for him. You have higher standards for him because he's been yeah. he's 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 been through this. This is not his first yeah. rodeo with summer league. Like you would expect that he knows what it takes to you know prepare for an NBA game and and you know him and yeah. Kai Jones especially. Like I, I feel like we're more critical of them because they've been here before. Yeah, it's 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 like the 2021 draft class for the Hornets has been like in a pre- precarious position for a while now, but you know, Kai just like one. I'm not sure what the role for him is like in the NBA or especially on this roster. Like he's got the the, the athleticism to stick around for for a while and have different teams sort of like bet on him, but. Um, looking at like where the Hornets are in terms of center depth, I just like it's hard. Once again, it's like hard to see a, a pathway for him. Um, and like, that's very obviously like the, the pathway for him is playing center. What he's doing uh, in summer league here. Um, so that, that's tough. And then, yeah, with book night, like I just don't, you know, he, he settles so much offensively. Like he, he does have some, like he has that like kind of weird, like offbeat drive game. <laughs> And he is able to like kind of, you know, occasionally, you know, slink his way, knife his way to the rim. And he has these moments, but even then he's, you know, he's, he, I don't think he's like a great half court rim finisher. He's smaller. Um, and he just runs into so many issues in, in those half court situations. He just ends up settling for either like off dribble threes that very rarely go in and also, like, these just, like, passes, they're just, but they're just, like, pass outs. Like, he just doesn't create much value because, like, he doesn't create advantages with, um, with his handle. He doesn't get to the line. He's not a ball mover. And, like, yeah, he just, it's hard for him to touch the paint. And so I, I'm just not, uh, yeah, at this point <laughs> with Book Night, it looks, it looks as bad as you could probably expect it to be. Like, they just added more guards to this roster this offseason, it, it already feels like Smith and Bailey are like, you know, I, I, maybe I'm splitting hairs, but I, I do think those guys have like, you know, outplayed him uh, in, in summer. I know it's been three summer league games, right. but yeah, you know, so um, it has not been good for really any of the, uh, really any of the sort of like young guards and on, on ball guys here in summer league, but Book night is, is certainly like the most, uh, you know, the most, the most disappointing, um, but probably also not, not surprising. Like I, yeah. again, if you watch them in Charlotte, you watch them in Greensboro the last couple of seasons, I, what you're seeing in Vegas, this is like, you know, probably what you should be expecting, honestly. It's funny. There's an uh, interesting comment here on YouTube where it says book night might wind up like Malik Monk was for us. Once he leaves, he'll be a solid player. I, you know, we, we saw signs with Malik though, that, yeah. that yeah. book night has never gotten to like the driving, the, the, the facilitation yeah. that the shooting was even better than what book night is showing. So he may end up being better than he is, but I don't think he's going to be in the same category as a Malik Monk in terms of just kind of completely turning it around. Yeah, you'll remember like year three for Monk, and I mean he came into the league a, a year younger than Book Knight too. But year three for Monk was the one where he like really put it together, like getting to the rim. You yeah. know, like that was that was the season he really started getting downhill and just like I don't know, like I, Book Knight is like weird athletically because like he definitely has moments where you, where you see the the especially in the open floor like some of his athletic traits. So. 
but I just think Monk has this like special shot maker trait, you know, and I just don't, I, I don't see it. I don't see that from book night. Um, and again, I, as you and I have talked about for a while now, I think even the role, I don't think Charlotte's done him any favors either. Like, I think they've put him in, I don't think they've like figured out what his role is. And so it's just, it's left him either like, you know, overtaxed as a guy that they're asking to create with the basketball or just like spotted up, not touching it, you yeah. know? And, and that's probably pretty frustrating for him. So who knows? Like, I don't think, you, you know, you need to just totally bail on book night yet. Maybe there's a team out there that could rehab him, but it, uh, he's shown that, like, again, with Monk, there were at least flashes and, yep. and it started really happening in year three for him too. I do want to get to some free agency talk, but the only other note that I had from this game, which is, you know, I, odd that I was kind of taking notes on James Najee, but I, I thought he has a good, he has a good nose for the ball on the boards. Yeah. Uh, offensive yep. rebound. He goes straight back up with it. He'll draw fouls. And I actually thought he had some good one-on-one -on -one defense against Wimby a couple of times. There was this nice pass in the first quarter from women Yama and you know, it was a highlight pass, but I, I think the defense by Najee on it wasn't bad by any means. He just, you know, he just got outplayed by a better player. And um, I think there was a time in the fourth quarter we also forced a miss for women Yama. So not a whole lot of other players played meaningful minutes that we did not get to. But I, I did want to mention Najee. I don't know if you had any thoughts on him. You no, know, I'm glad. I'm really glad. you. I was going to bring him up if you if you didn't. Um, yeah, I thought I thought he looked good in the, the Golden State game the other night. I think he I think he looked comfortable again, like. I think he's, um, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this too, but, you know, Rizzi, I think he's looked good in drop coverage. I think when they've asked him to come up higher to the level, he's he's been in a good stance and, and moved his feet. But with that size and that athleticism that he has, like he's a really uh, interesting um, young center prospect. I, I thought when he got, when he was measured before the draft and some of the numbers that came out of that, I kind of thought he might actually slide into the back end of the, the first round. Um, and so I think for the Hornets to get him in the second was there was a little bit of value there. And look, there's, there's not going to be any pressure for him. Like the center position in Charlotte is sort of like already sorted out with, with Williams and Richards, uh, you know, certainly next season and beyond that. So there's some room way to like work with Nazi as a development case, but I just think he like looks comfortable guarding pick and roll. Like he looks good and face when you ask him to be in drop coverage like when he's having to kind of uh drop and in in uh show against or you know threaten against the ball handler and be uh you know far enough back to take away a pass or a lob or whatever he looks good there and yeah like the one-on-one -on -one defense whether it was like isolated or in the mid post against um Wembenyama looked good for him tonight too so like there's a role for him as like a screen and dive uh, defense, you know, on offense and just like, you know, uh, a scheme versatile center that can give you some rim protection. And like, I know Champagne dunked on him, but like, I'm glad he tried to block that shot. It's yeah, also so really bad. No surprise. It was really bad defense from James Booknight on that play too, that he just crumpled on a screen. And like, you want to know why Champagne had like absolute free reign to go to the hoop? It was because like Booknight's on ball defense or just like screen nab was, was really, really bad. So, no, I, I think Nazi, I, this again, this is the second game in a row now where it's like he's looked totally comfortable doing some stuff that I think often young centers don't look comfortable doing. He's got a lot of good physical traits. 
and he's playing hard on he's fighting for offensive rebounds. So no, I was actually, I, you know, I'm probably getting too far ahead here, but like, Richie, what do you think? I'd be curious. I'd even pose this question to people listening in. Like, is center <laughs> is center the deepest position like for the Hornets right now? Just given Williams, Richards, and it, you know, maybe we're reading into James Naji too much, but yeah. like that's that's in in Kai Jones, I suppose, for that that matter too. So I don't know. I think that's a little interesting. And then. I did want to circle back to just the, the 2021 draft real quickly talk. Cause I forgot, I lost this train of thought talking about Jones and, and book nights, but like the fact that like the hope for Charlotte now is that like JT Thor could maybe be like a, I don't know, like a rotation guy, you know, whether he's like your, you know, fourth or fifth starter or like, you know, in a seven, eight man rotation. And he was the second round pick and the two first round picks you took that year. Like, you know, book night doesn't really look like an NBA player and, and Kai, you know, physically has all the tools, but um, has had some real tough moments in terms of like processing on both sides of the floor. So just like that was the first draft after LaMelo and it looks like a, right now, it looks like a pretty significant swing and miss. We know what they did in 2022 trading away the, uh, the Jalen Duran pick when they could have had, um, you know, a lot of guys that were sitting right there, including AJ Griffin and, and Tari Easton, who had nice seasons. Um, Williams looks good, but then that that goes into twenty twenty three, and you know, we'll see about. Uh, I've said my thoughts already about Miller and, and Scoot. I mean, I think Scoot should have been the pick, uh, pretty clearly. But um, I think mean, Charlotte has drafted well at times, but man, some of these like early round lottery elections uh, the last couple of years have. Uh, have left them in, in like a bit of a hole, uh, among other things, uh, in terms of team construction. Yeah, a couple of things. So there's a lot of people here in the chat that are are kind of pointing out the same thing that you are in terms with Najee. Just good movement, moves well. Yep. Um, yep. They are also not concerned, but they're wondering, you know, is he going to be a player that's stashed over in Barcelona? Is there a possibility that that contract can be bought out and he play in the Swarm? That's kind of what they're wondering because at, at, yeah. at the moment, I think the Hornets are up to like 14 players or so, uh, I guess, depending on, you know, non-guaranteed contracts, I guess JT Thor is technically on a non-guaranteed. And if you would have asked me out of Thor, Kai Jones and book Knight, which of those guys from the 2021 draft would I had both most confidence in staying on the roster, it would not have been Thor, but uh, here we are. Uh, and he's not even playing in the summer league. I think they must feel comfortable with, you know, his standing with the team. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's been, um, I just think Thor is like, he's just the most scalable right now. Right. Cause yeah. like he can, he can, he can guard a couple of positions like Jones. I guess I think Jones has done some okay stuff in terms of like drop defense in both with the swarm, the last two seasons and in summer league here, like you, you see the quick hands, the athleticism, like I think some of the defensive flashes have been okay, but like, you know, he's not a good defender. And he doesn't really have like a home on that side of the court. And, and, all, and that really like makes finding a role for him tough offensively. Richie, you and I have advocated for more like last season. We wanted to see more Kai at the five with PJ lineup, you know, and those just never really materialized beyond a few minutes here and there. And yeah, Thor just like, you know, he's, he's not like a great three point shooter at this point. He's probably, he was probably what in the low thirties last season, but he picked it up after the uh, all-star break a lot. Exactly. Yeah. He, he, he profiles as like a pretty good shooter with that, with a nice release. 
He can shoot off a little bit of movement. He hits the offensive glass. He cuts. Like, he just does, like, fifth option type stuff on offense. And then, again, he's got – I know the block rate dropped, but I think he did some nice stuff as, like, a backline health defender for the Hornets this season. And theoretically, with his length and lateral ability, like, he has the ability to, to, to at least guard – maybe not like all the positions, but a couple of different positions and just like play a couple of different roles for you defensively. And that's something that like Jones and, and book Knight certainly cannot offer. All right. So let's talk about some free agent stuff. As we wrap up this episode, I have displayed on YouTube right now, a cap sheet that I've been kind of putting together on Google sheets. I'm not sure if it's like accurate down to the penny, but it's, it's pretty close. <laughs> Some numbers are just different on different websites. But anyway, the the one name that I I guess definitely want to start with is PJ Washington, uh, because as of now, the time that we're recording this, uh, he has not signed. The cap hold is still there. He does have the opportunity to just sign that qualifying offer, which would I I would think would be a mistake. So if the Hornets are not budging on their offer. They can offer him something reasonable. They don't have to worry about going over the cap. They have his bird rights. Like it's not, it's not that type of issue. It just seems like they're being a little bit stingy in their negotiations because they know there are other teams out there that don't have a lot of money. And, you know, a team could try to offer him the MLE, but that is that is an easy match on Charlotte's part. And I'm not even sure who has cap space. Maybe the Spurs at this point, but it just seems like, you know, if they're not willing to go to 17, 18, 19, $20 million, whatever it is, that number, there could be a chance that Washington, like Bridges, just signs that qualifying offer and then he becomes an unrestricted free agent next offseason. I understand it with Bridges. I understand not budging with Bridges because of the situation that he was, you know, dealing with last season, not playing at all because of the domestic violence. But Washington is a guy that you want to lock up for, for multiple years here. So how do you see this going, Brian? Do you, do you think there's a chance that he too could also sign that, that qualifying offer? I guess, I mean, I guess so. I mean, like the, at this point, there's definitely a non-zero chance of that. It would be insanity for the Hornets to let that happen though. Like get this done. Like this is it's like, you are not like, I, I, I get what you're saying for what Charlotte can do or they can, in the league and they can see like uh okay a lot of teams that had cap space like some of them have like used that up already right uh, you know a team, a team like indiana uh for instance um or uh i, I guess dallas too um and certainly if, if, a, if a team uh was to use one of its exceptions like the the full you know non-taxpayer mid-level on pj again it's something that charlie could i guess you said a second match, ago yeah. could easily match and, and I guess they would then be getting, you know, PJ on some type of value, like, you know, some kind of, you know, bargain or whatever. I just don't know why, like, this guy's good. He's a, he's a four-year starter. He's a big-time shooter. He's one of the few guys on this team that I think you could, you could trust, trust in a playoff game. You know, you could just copy and paste PJ into, um, you know, a game in the middle of May, and I think he could, he'd, he'd be able to, like, stay above water. He fits with almost any roster type. Like he's mm-hmm. he's a total plug and play guy because he's a ball mover, um, and he can shoot and he can do a bunch of different stuff for you defensively. Like he's shown the ability to play zone um, as the center. He's shown the ability to guard pick and roll 
as a small ball center, it's not like a strength or whatever, but it is something he can do. He can switch out on, on different position types and he can be a good team defender for you. If he's kind of like the low, low man, weak side guy playing at, at the four spot. So I just, Richie, you had a tweet like maybe a week ago that was like, uh, that said, it was sort of like two bullet points for what the Hornets should do. And it was like, sign PJ to an extension uh, that's, you know, 18 million or 20 million dollars a year or whatever, and then use one of the other exceptions to get a backup point guard. I think you mentioned Ayo Desunmu. And it was like, yeah, that's it. Like, that's, the, <laughs> that's what I want them to do. Like, I just, I like, look, I think. I think everyone on, on, on Busby likes is, is like generally positive on PJ to varying degrees. And this is someone that I've been probably of the four of us, along with Lee and Spencer, like probably been like the most bullish on. I think he's a really good player. I think if he actually got out of Charlotte, he would have the chance to even sort of have greater recognition just because like, I think he's good. And you put him on a winning team, he'd help them win and it would make him better. So, I don't know if you're Charlotte, you've got to sign this guy in like, even if he, you, you know, even if you, for whatever reason, didn't think he was part of your long-term plans, or if you thought uh, paying PJ $20 million a year is too much, like I promise you it's a tradable contract too. Like he's good. He's young. He fits in a ton of places. He has value across the league. So I, I don't, it's disappointing that it's playing out. I mean, it, it could end up being fine. Um, but if you're, if you're the Hornets, man, you just look around and like seeing what some of the guys who they've, who either they've let walk or they've pushed out the door for no reason, Malik Monk, Jalen McDaniels, like you just, you, you draft a guy like this, you have to bring, like you have to bring them back. He's good. So it's, it's disappointing that they haven't sort of like sorted that out yet, but I just have to assume um, and I'm trying to remain optimistic that like, it's just inevitable that he'll be back on a number that's somewhere in between like what he and his team want and what the Hornets are like bargaining for right now. Yeah. I should get uh, his dad on the line here. We had him on the podcast. Maybe I can just make a three-way call. And just, just... Yeah. Yeah. Tell him, I mean, let's get it done, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that would be, I mean, he would be certainly a better in better inside than, than you or I, that, that is, uh, that's for sure. But no, like uh, PJ's good. He makes so much sense, you know, with, with LaMelo and with Mark Williams and, you know, if whatever sort of like idealized version of, of Miller that this team does or does not get. But like, he's just a total plug and play guy that gives you lineup versatility. He gives you spacing. He gives you ball movement. Like he's just an excellent, excellent role player who might even have more upside, you know? Um, like there might be another, there still might be like another gear to him. And I think we saw offensively his just willingness to do some different stuff last season. Um, wasn't always successful. And I think his efficiency dipped some, but when, once he was sort of taken away from like just the real pure, like catch and shoot role, but he was still good last year, you know, again, hopefully this thing gets done. Um, you just can't, I think it would, quite frankly, I think it would be, um, I think it would be pretty embarrassing yeah. uh, to, to see him like actually take like embarrassing for the, the Hornets to be clear. Like it would be pretty embarrassing if this for them, uh, if this guy ended up like on the, the QO and like, you know, becoming an unrestricted free agent, you know, 12 months from now or whatever. Because if that happened, I almost feel like the Hornets or like the Hornets front office would be like evaluating bridges and 
like Washington, almost like them competing against each other. Like, okay, both of these guys are on the QO. We can only afford to bring one back next year. Uh, this is kind of like a one-year trial period, but I, I would rather just have the certainty and, and lock that guy up. And yes, the yeah. Hornets do need a backup point guard, and I've been pushing ha- hard for Io DeSunmo, but that's only, not only, but that's a, b- a big reason why is there's just not a lot of guys out there that probably you know, fits that, that mold and has that impact. Like he's a young guy that has the same profile as DSJ in the terms of like the rim finishing, the driving, the perimeter defense. He's very, yeah, yeah. he can, um, you know, really disrupt others, get to those 50, 50 balls. And then obviously his weaknesses like DSJ doesn't have the perimeter shooting. His uh, mid range shot went down from his rookie season and he doesn't really draw fouls all that often. But the one thing that is, I guess, working against the Hornets is that he is a restricted free agent for Chicago. But by the same token, Chicago is a team that is approaching the tax. And you almost yeah. wonder, because the, the the Bulls, I believe, did sign Javon Carter. So, they um, did. It's a good, good signing for Chicago. Yeah, so that the could way. be the replacement. Um, obviously, Lonzo Ball is not in the picture either. But... You know they could they could say okay wait we got Javon Carter we're we're okay with losing uh, Desunmo but we will see any what, other what? thoughts here Brian before we wrap up we appreciate everyone that joined us live here late I guess it's technically Saturday now yeah and and again thank you Richie for your your patience and for whomever was dealing with my own stupid technical difficulties tonight but yeah we'll just the Hornets could have drafted Scoot Henderson. Like, I mean, I cannot, like, is that, can I point that out again? Like you could have just, the point guard minutes could have, you could have staggered he and LaMelo. You could have played them together a lot. You could have staggered them. He could have been your backup point guard too. Like they chose, they chose to not do that. You know, they chose to not bring Dennis Smith Jr. back. So like them sort of like looking around, wondering what they're going to do for backup point guard is just entirely their fault. And so, uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see how that, how they figure it out. Like, Again, it's not, they're not totally out of options. They've got some, they've got some pieces to use. So uh, I'll be curious to see uh, how they pursue this thing. But like, yeah, this is, again, this is another reason why, like, I mean, obviously like so much of the like uh, fit and positional components to like, you know, some people advocating Miller over Scoot, like a lot of that stuff was like either like in bad faith or like in most cases, just, I think like pretty short-sighted and, and this kind of gets to that. Like you actually don't have that many ball handlers on this roster. And right now my guess would be that like you're projected to like play Terry Rozier again, as you're like, you know, de facto backup point guard, which like that, I mean, <laughs> like if they're trying to win games next season, that's not like a winning strategy. Yeah. Lee and I talked about that on a, recent yeah. podcast and uh there's a comment here they should have just brought back dsj which i'm not even sure why they didn't because he went on the chip yeah. it just doesn't make any it just yeah we don't need to go down that yeah. road it just doesn't make any it just does not make any sense to me but it's not the first nor will it be the last sort of like head scratching you know misfire in terms of team building for, you know from my perspective with the Hornets the last couple of years all right guys thanks again for joining us today live on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, however you guys are joining us. This will be out as a podcast version as well. If you came late, as always, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Review us on Apple Podcast. Review us on Spotify or wherever you listen to our episodes. Visit buzzbeat.substack.com for information about our private podcast feed where you get ad-free episodes. You also get episodes early. So we're going to go ahead and wrap here for Brian. I'm Richie. 
We'll talk to you guys later. See you guys next time.